Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino. They are giving away a Tesla. Yeah, you heard me right. They're giving away a Tesla. They always have the best promotions. If you don't want it, they're going to give you over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings are the 4th of July weekend. Get finals entries every half hour, 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings or by redeeming players points. So head on up there to win the Tesla while you're up there. You can hang out at the sports book at Sasquatch Casino. They have great food as well. You're going to love going there. It's a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Mace, you only have four more shows with me. I'm sure like a prisoner with a piece of chalk, you are just marking it down against the wall and thinking, when in the hell am I going to get out of here? No, I'm just going day to day. All right. Well, Terry Fry is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes. He had a harrowing experience, apparently at the airport. When I've been told travel has been a real pain. And I was getting text updates throughout the day on how awful it has been. So what's him. been going on? Like uh, We'll find out. Oh, I mean, I thought he told you. I thought. No, he's just telling me the stinks, delays, hoping yeah. he gets back at 1.30, but he got back on time. What I don't understand. Wait, he got back on time. He did. So how bad could it have been? I don't know. We're about to find out. Uh, I don't know why he went from Nashville to Houston. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, uh, probably had to book the flight on short notice because it was after yep. the uh, the playoff matchup came in. And sometimes when you do that, you don't have the greatest options of, of choices. I right. remember, I think it was when the Broncos played the Patriots back. Uh, they got run over by uh, by Tim Tebow. Uh, or they, they they got run over by the Patriots. Tim mm-hmm. Tebow was quarterback. He did get run over back in January of 12. And I believe I had to go from Providence to Denver through, like, Miami. Birmingham. Yeah. So, but again, I booked down, I, I booked that on five day on five, six days notice. So that that's just what happens, I think. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. If you are a Broncos fan, no matter what your religion, you now have plans on Christmas. Broncos are going to take on the Rams on Christmas Day. Game's going to be broadcast on CBS and Nickelodeon. This eliminates the possibility of the Broncos playing the Rams in the NFL opener. Broncos will also play Jacksonville in London, so we know that. While neither of these games will have any other games scheduled at that time head-to-head, you can make the case it's essentially a nationally televised game with no other games, again, going head-to-head, and it's not going to count against their national allotment. Which is interesting. In in a lot of years, it has. Won't this year. Not this year, obviously. So what are the chances the Broncos could have the most eyeballs this season? Because mm. we haven't even gotten a nationally televised game. Right. Now, that being said, 
the London game is on ESPN Plus. Right. So that, as opposed to being on CBS or NBC, that considerably limits the audience. But there will still be an audience that other teams won't get. Right. It's kind of cool. It's kind of good. After the last few years, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that they're going to be number one. I think the number one team is the team that they're playing on Christmas Day. Right. The defending champs in a big market spotlight team. Right. I think the, I think the Rams will be the team that ends up getting the most eyeballs on them this year. Because your daughter is, what, 10 now? Is that right? No, nine. Well, eventually she'll be 10. Right. Okay. Usually go, goes Usually up, comes after, yeah, 10 yeah, usually comes after nine, right? Year, yeah. And then she'll be 11 after 10. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you've watched a game on Nickelodeon with her. Is that fair to say? Um... Actually, no. Really? She's not into football. Oh. Would you rather... Like, fo- football is actually pretty down the list of uh, sports yeah. for her. Would you rather watch a game on CBS with Nance and Romer or the Slime Network? Just to sample it. I, I did actually sample it. Um, One of the playoff games they did the last couple of years. And? I've had my taste of it. I don't need to go back. Yeah. I th- if it works for kids, great. Um, I I I watch I watch part of one of those playoff games just, again just to see about it, just to be able to talk about it, really. Right. And it, it it was cool. It was a novelty. Um, you know it. But as for me, I don't need to go back. I mean, if if Charlotte wants to, wa- and and you know what, Christmas Day she may end up watching uh watching the game, especially knowing that I'm going to be there covering it, and so. I'm sure she'll probably enjoy it. She'll be looking for you in the press box, hoping there is a cutaway shot of her dad. Probably. Right. But, uh, and, and, right. Unless, they're, unless the family is eating dinner at the time, which is entirely possible. They're one of those families that, uh, oh, it's dinner time. Better turn off the television. Not, you know. Well, is anybody a Broncos fan? Mm, anybody a real I diehard think, football I think fan? There, I think there, there are a few couple there that would probably be diehard fans, yes. Well, you, At that table. Well, Christmas dinner, when I've had Christmas dinner, when I was married to somebody who did celebrate Christmas, dinner was roughly around eh, 1, 2, 3 o'clock. In other words, like for this, right. if, if, that, if that's the time here in Colorado, right at kickoff. Right. So peop, if people want to watch the game but don't want to interrupt the sanctity of Christmas dinner, right. um, they will have to adjust their plans. A little bit. I, I had one major pro and one major con with the Broncos playing the Rams in the opener. And I'm kind of glad they're not playing the opener because I think there's a better chance that they win the game on Christmas than they win the opener. New coaching staff, mm-hmm. new quarterback, new system, yada, yada, yada. You don't want to have to debut that against the Super Bowl champs. Now, on the flip side, the one reason why I do think it's a positive to play in the opener is that week two it's essentially like coming off a bye week Mm -hmm. and the the worst slot for me the the slot that i hate the most and the broncos have been there is playing the second game on monday night that's the slot i really don't like there is no second game on monday night this year i understand on week one i understand but that's a slot that i never liked and the broncos have been there more than a few times i mean you're waiting all summer to play your first game then you got to wait last and then you get the least amount of time to prepare for your following game on that upcoming sunday 
Yeah. But on that Thursday, you have extra time. But here's the interesting thing with that Thursday, though. You get extra time for the following game. But the the league mandates that everybody has to play on a short week, as in Sunday and then the following Thursday. Everybody has to play once. So, like, if you play but that's on, twice. No. If you play week one on Thursday, it does not count as a short week. No, no. no. Oh, because, I, I, I meant that Monday. I yeah. meant that Monday is a short week. If oh, you, the following if you play, week. No, but, play but, the, no, but yeah, I'm going back to the point you made about playing the Rams in, in week one. And then you said if you do that, then you got a long week for week two, which mm. is nice. But the thing is, it doesn't really it, it all ends up balancing out because you didn't get you don't get the break of saying, well, okay, that's our Thursday night game. Like, for example, in 2013, the Broncos opened on Thursday night against Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. They still had another Thursday night game later that season against San Diego. Well, I understand yeah. that. I'm just saying you get extra time to prepare yeah, you just, for, for your week two game. You're just, you're, I think that's a nice benefit. Don't you? You got to get it sometime. Everybody gets it at some point in the year. So, yeah. Right. Mm. By the time the Broncos play the Rams, it'll be week 16. And I think that's when this appetizing might be the most this matchup might be the most appetizing anyway. Um, I don't know if the Broncos will have a playoff spot clinched. Maybe they don't, specifically in their own division, fighting for potentially a wild card in the AFC. Um, I think this game will have a lot of meaning for them. I'm not so sure about the Rams. Uh, they'll be fighting for something, probably the number one seed, I'm guessing. So there'll certainly probably be a lot on the line. Probably. The, the thing is, though, you wonder what the uh, following two games are going to bring because week 18 is guaranteed to bring a divisional game. So in all likelihood, you're playing a contending team in right. week 18. Back to back. So who, who do you get in week 17? You've already used up the Jaguars game as a potential, not easy, but a, a what lesser What do you want to game. bet it's the Chiefs? Or the, Char- the Chiefs Chargers to close? Or Raiders. Yeah, but imagine if you're closing with Rams, Chiefs, Chargers, or Rams, Chargers, Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I, I, frankly, I'd rather have the New York Jets at home on well, New course, Year's Day. Of course, you would. Then, well, than, they, than one of those because you're gonna have it. You're gonna you got a tough game in Week 16 on Christmas. You're gonna have a tough finale in Week 18. A breather wouldn't be the worst thing, right? I gotta tell you, if it is the Rams against the Bills in the opener, first game of the season, and quite possibly the last game of the season. Because I think that's where the betting lines at least are trending anyway. This could be the Super Bowl. And I would love to see this in an opener. This would be, honestly, even though the first game of the season is always highly anticipated, always gets great ratings, to have this right off the hop would be tremendous. I would like to see it. I don't know. And you know, Listen, I know this, this phrase can be considered whatever. I don't know if the NFL wants to blow their load on the first game. They used to not necessarily want that. Right. But you've had games like, for example, last year, Dallas at Tampa Bay, which got a huge number for but it's Dallas on Thursday night. Yeah, it's Dallas. Oh, of course it is. But then they had they had a great number when uh, they had Carolina at Denver rematch of Super Bowl 50 to open the 2016 season. So what we've seen in recent years is they've become much more amenable to having that Godzilla type of matchup there in week one. In week one, not like this, not the two favorites, one two, 
I'd say a rematch of the previous Super Bowl is on par with the having the two favorites in a game. In a game. Well, I'm going by Vegas betting lines. Yeah. Vegas betting lines are Bills, Rams, Rams. I get, Bills. I get that, but I don't think the fact that, that that Vegas has them as the favorites is has anything to do with that. I think it's simply that these are two really good teams with two, one one in the Super Bowl. The other has a is a spotlight team with a great young quarterback. Well, it just happen, that's what it happens. It to just be. happens to be that there's the potential of that matchup, and I can't remember the last time the betting favorites in each conference could go head to head in the opener. Just because you went to the Super Bowl doesn't mean you're the betting favorite to go back again. I wouldn't be able to tell you who the betting favorites weren't were in here, but then again, I don't really care who the betting right. favorites are. All right, coming up after the break, the Avs have moved on a four-game sweep of the Nashville Predators. Terry Fry just got back from Nashville. He will join us next to talk about what was and what will be either on Saturday or Monday for Game 1. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Back Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, let's go out to the hotline. I'm going to bring in a friend of mine who will be joining me on Monday in studio as my new radio partner, Terry Fry, who just got back from Nashville covering game four between the Predators and the Avs. How are you, Terry? Thanks for having me. It was an arduous travel day. You know, I was moved to think of the uh, Seinfeld episode where Jerry got to sit in first class and Elaine was having to cope with the uh, travails of sitting in coach. So what made it arduous exactly? Well, just uh, I had a connection through Houston and uh, early morning flight, and it's just a mess now in airports. I think you've seen and probably experienced part of the, part of the drama going on in, in kind of the, re- the return to the travel realities that we used to have, and it were, uh, it's, it's kind of a mess right now. By the way, I don't want you to take this personally, and I'm going to get this out of the way right now. When Andrew joined me over a couple of years ago on the show, there were times when I would slip and say afternoon drive with Goodman and Shapiro. I'm trying to I will try to limit it this time around. I would say the over under is probably six and a half. So um, I'm hoping to hit the under on it. Let's okay, you, you, you're hoping to hit the under, and I'll take the over, and I'll keep track. Wow. But I'm, but yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it, and again, it's it's quite an honor to be stepping in for Mace, and uh, I know he's going to uh, he's going to be remain a fan of this show, and I hope we can have him on sometimes. Well, we will see about that. In the, <laughs> meantime, in the meantime, let's talk about what the Avalanche just did, sweeping the Predators. Is this a case of they are just that much better than Nashville, or they are more dialed in this season? A little bit of both. This team was, was sorely missing its goaltender, UC Saros, and that showed up in the this, in this series. And really, I think the Avalanche had a swagger through the entire series because of that. And I also think they are dialed in and they are playing well. And 
as I tried to point out in what I wrote for uh, Colorado Hockey Now today, this looks a little bit familiar in the sense that this is exactly what the Avalanche did to the St. Louis Blues a year, a year ago before winning the first two games of the series of Vegas and then falling apart. And so uh, the, the example of history is, is not completely supportive of this being some sort of major, major, major step uh, and precedent as they move through the playoffs. But I, it's not trying to be a Debbie Downer there or anything like that. It's just a, this is the, uh, the, the the mental task that this team has is going to be to overcome the precedence of history the last three years. They're going to hear about it. They're known as the team that's lost three straight times in the second round. It's hanging over them, and uh, they will have to overcome that and be challenged mentally and, both, and also physically to uh, – get that into the pass. They obviously swept the Blues in the opening round last year, and of course a sweep in this series against the National Predators. Why is this sweep different than last year's in terms of what it might mean going forward? It's very obvious that this kind of reinforced the idea that what Joe Sackett did at the trading deadline added significant depth, and uh, that was part of the problem a year ago when they ran into trouble was that there was a realization that their depth was not as great as it should be. And actually, there was some worry. There was some worry at the start of this season that that uh, their depth was not as good as it even was last year. But that that those concerns turned out to be false. They were my concerns, frankly. And uh, they do have significant depth added at the trading deadline, and have done a good job of implementing that. I thought that maybe they were tinkering a little too much, and I'm still not 100 percent convinced that that's going to, to, to uh, be valid that not that won't be validated but I do think right now this series showed the value of what Joe Sack did at the trading line and bringing in significant strength and, and additional and additional skaters we're talking with Terry Fry he's going to be my partner full-time starting on Monday on Mile High Sports Radio one reason why I think that uh, Matt Duchesne is no longer here, and there are many reasons why he's no longer here, and he certainly got booed when he played here at Ball Arena, is the fact that he kind of had a fragile ego. I don't think he would ever say, I don't think he ever would have said, Nathan McKinnon is the best player on this team. Now let's look at Nathan McKinnon. I don't think he has a fragile ego. I don't think there's anything fragile about him. So for him to say following yesterday's game, I think Kale McCarr might be the best player in hockey right now. Are we starting to see that ascension where he might be the best player on this team? Very much so. And I think uh, the important thing, though, is they're very complimentary complimentary, uh, uh, in that they uh, are so strong that it's a positive force for the team to have both of them, obviously. That's the complementary part. They do different things, and they play different positions, so they're complementary. So it was interesting to see Nathan last night. He hasn't. He said some of that before, and much of that before, especially the sentiment. Uh, but he was complementary of 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 Kale McCarr. And it was very interesting, as you said, for him to say that he might be the best player in hockey right now. He might be. He also said he might end up being the best defenseman who's ever played the game. And what he represents is kind of that step toward the hybrid defenseman uh, and, and the avalanche mandate for all for any defenseman who can jump to jump into play. And that's so much of a revolutionary change in the game to the hybrid defenseman who can skate 
and, and play, play uh, sufficiently strong in the defensive end to be a great player that way. And that's what Kale McCarr is. Might be, he is, uh, uh, Roman, Roman Yossi is, is a terrific and Victor Hedman. They're also terrific kind of, uh, uh, of, of, uh, of hybrid defensemen who can do so many things. And uh, this is a case of, I think, Kale McCarr taking it to an even greater level in that area of, of being able to skate and being able to do so many things and being such a flashy, smart player, a heady player. And uh, I think Nathan McKinnon's right. Uh, and it's interesting to see that, that and I, I understand the, the tendency to uh, retroactively trash Matt Duchesne at, he wanted to be the first-line center. He wanted to be the leader of the team. And it's very, very, very clear that that was not going to happen as Nathan McKinnon was coming into his own. And I also remember, and this is even going back even farther, I remember uh, covering the, the Eastern Conference Finals and, and the Sabres were involved. And uh, I was talking to Chris Giroux. And he said, you know, uh, the, everybody, I said everybody says the trade was the worst one in the history of the Avalanche franchise. And uh, that uh, you should have stayed. And Chris said he kind of came around to the idea that, hey, wait a minute. That team had Peter Forsberg, had Joe Sackett. Chris Drury was playing wing. He wanted to play center. It's his best position. He enjoyed playing it. And he came to realize after the fact that, that uh, the trade was good for him and that he was playing center. But the really ironic thing now is guess what position Matthew Shane was playing? He's playing right wing. For the Predators, a position he detested with the Avalanche, and was very careful to go out of his way to point out even his own deficiencies and his lack of production at that position. So it's really kind of weird to see this kind of go full circle. You mentioned the Norris Trophy finalists. They're talking about these, uh, these, these true, uh, you know, these true two-way uh, defensemen. How many? How rare are players like that? How many guys around there? around the league are there who can effectively uh, be that type of two-way defenseman to where you can uh, you can build a team around him? Well, Devon Tate is another guy like that. Yep. So the Avalanche had two of them, and that's the interesting part there. I think it's becoming more and more common, not necessarily the quality uh, of anybody who can, who can uh, threaten Kale McCarr's position in the league or Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning or, or, or uh, Yossi of the Predators, Roman Yossi. Uh, but I think there's there's been, there's more of them as the game kind of evolves, and I think Joe Sackick is very adept in seeing this coming. Uh, you know, Rob Blake was a little bit of that. Barry Bork was a little bit of that. But I think we're seeing now now more and more that the, 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 the uh, quicks, the, the fast skating, the, the, uh, the, the very clever, the very adaptable hybrid defenseman. And I think it's becoming more common that, you have to differentiate between just the style and, and the act, the actual quality of play. The quality of play of Kale McCarr is head and shoulders above a lot of people right now. We are talking with Terry Fry, a longtime journalist, multiple, multiple uh, sports writer of the year. He's going to be joining me full-time, Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, starting on Monday. Uh, on Saturday or on Monday, it's going to be Game 1, of the uh, Western Conference semifinals is either going to be the Blues or the Minnesota Wild. Which team is a better matchup for the Avalanche? Well, the St. Louis Blues, because the Avalanche uh, will be conscious of, let's face it, of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in the goal in the net for the Wild. And uh, I'm not saying that he's capable of, of playing, of stoning the Avalanche, 
or turning a series, I don't think it'll happen. He's capable of it, though, and everybody knows that. Everybody understands that that's the, the, the wild card in the playoffs is the goalie standing on his head, getting in the head of the other team, and I'll be able to summon about 27 other cliches if you want, but I'll stop there. Uh, he, he's the one guy who, who can do this in this environment, and I think that the uh, you, you never get an honest answer. Nobody ever answers about who they'd rather play, and I think in this case it's somewhat honest that uh, they're not sitting there trying to chart the elements that could get them to play the Blues rather than in the wild, but I think in this case it's very clear that Marc-Andre Fleury is, is a championship goaltender who can turn a series, and that would be the one element that could derail the avalanche. Uh, when we start doing the show together on Monday, I'll be the first to say that I will always defer to you when it comes to hockey. Uh, I remember your work back in my days when I was working at CNN, and you were a national hockey writer for ESPN, and I read your stuff all the time, and, and that's how I remember you probably far more than working for the Denver Post. So I want to put this out to you. I was watching the you, end of... You, know you know what I thought you were going to say? Yeah. You were, you were going to tell me to give shorter answers. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm watching the end of the Rangers-Penguins game, and I'm watching Sidney Crosby have a fantastic game, and it got me to thinking about the Penguins and the great players they have had, and the Oilers, obviously, and the great players they had. So I put this question out on Twitter, and I'm thinking, while the answer seems easy, maybe not so much. When you look at historically trios for those two teams, which trio oh. is better? Gretzky? Trottier? No, 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 no. No, the Oilers and the Penguins, not the Islanders. Oilers and the Penguins. Well, uh, okay. Would you take Gretzky, Messier, Connor McDavid, or would you take Yager, Lemieux, and Sidney Crosby? I would take the Penguins in that case. So would I. Lemieux is such an ascendant character and and a leader and everything else. You know, you and I have talked about this in the past. I don't think when it, whenever, whenever you're given either or, you're not trashing the other one when right. you answer the first one. So right. in this case, you know, and I was, I, I had a, I was thinking there of, uh, of uh, Trache, Bossy, and Clark Gillies for the Islanders in, in some of the years they covered. Say, I got to tell you something about Connor McDavid. For as talented as he is, okay, he's a fantastic regular season player. His teams have missed the playoffs four times. They have advanced out of the first round one time. I would take McKinnon all day over Connor McDavid. No? Um, no. I, no? I, I don't necessarily think that. They have dry sidle too. How Con- do they not Connor, get out of the first round? I think Connor McDavid is the best player in hockey. He might be. In regular season, he does nothing in the playoffs. Nothing. He's, made, he's, not, a, he's a little over a point a game. You understand I'm not trashing Nathan. I know. I just I think that, I think Connor McDavid was billed as the generation player, generational player when he came in in the draft. It took Nathan McKinnon a few years to make us realize. You know, it turned out that he was a generational player. He wasn't billed as one, but he's turned out to be one. And he was 17 years old when he got drafted as part of it. But I think in this case, Connor McDavid is the best player in hockey. And I hope nobody thinks I'm trashing Nathan McKinnon by saying that. Well, I'll respectfully disagree. He's the best regular season player in hockey. Okay. Because well, what does he do in the playoffs? Not almost not. He's a little over a point a game. McKinnon is far better. Okay. They have Drysital too. How does this team not <laughs> contend for a Presidents Cup every single year? Right. Dry, dry What's wrong with that team? 50, 55 goals 
whatever it was. And what do they do in the postseason? Because that's what matters. Yes, I understand that. You're right. Sometimes I'm going to defer to you for being right so we can just... You know what? There'll be a nice change, won't it, Mace? <laughs> yeah, I had trouble with that. See, with Les and I, we could always agree to disagree. With Mace, it's always, he will fight the point to the death. He will die on the hill. Right, you, you need somebody to push back on you. Other, you There's know. nothing wrong with pushing back, yeah, but here. saying, you know what, maybe you're right. Yeah, you can, we, we always you joke can be about a it. steamroller sometimes. I can be, but mm-hmm. with you with, with you being a steamroller, I can't steamroll you because you're knowledgeable. I couldn't steamroll less because he's knowledgeable. I can't steamroll yeah. Terry because he's knowledgeable. <laughs> if you're not knowledgeable, then you'll probably get steamrolled. With Rest. that, go ahead, Terry. Uh, I was going to tell you a quick less story. Yeah. Is, is that okay? Yeah. About uh, 30 seconds. I wrote a blog about Tim Tebow uh, in oh. the prime prime years of Tim Tebow. Les called me and chewed me out. And he took it personally that I thought that Tim <laughs> Tebow actually was doing productive things and could, it was being a decent quarterback to, despite uh, the flaws in his game. Les hollered at me. Yeah. Well, I, when he was on another radio station, I used to listen to him berate his partners anytime <laughs> they would say something positive. <laughs> about Tim Tebow. Terry, next time we talk, we'll be Monday in studio. I can't wait to do the show with you. I can't wait. And Mesa, I hope you still understand the uh, how honored I am to be stepping into your big shoes. Oh, well, thank you. You'll do great. He's got big... So, does Eric buy the, buy beer, buy the beer after every show? We don't drink. We don't, we don't really drink after the show. No. We drink before the show. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, you're good with got that. that straight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, we'll see. Terry, good talking to you as always. Thank See you, you on Monday. Okay, bye. All right, coming up after the break, Tom Brady is about to make more money doing something than he did as a player. What is it? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. Com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. Well, if Tom Brady finishes out his contract that he has signed a 10-year, $375 million deal to be a broadcaster, which starts immediately upon retirement, he will make more money being a broadcaster than he did as an NFL player. So with Brady getting the chance to go into the broadcast booth, and oh, by the way, he would be doing it on Fox with Kevin Burkhart. Do you think this increases the possibility of this being his last season? I think it does. Now that he's now that he's got a clear pan, plan and path, and uh, y- you certainly know this, uh, Fox will probably put some pressure on him, and 
I can't, honestly, I can't imagine as big as Brady is, I still can't imagine Fox signing this without at least kind of getting some sort of assurance that, okay, this will happen no later than point X, probably next year. Well, I'm also guessing Brady wanted it out in the contract if something developed with mm-hmm. him being a team president or yeah. him going into ownership as well. I think that when you give somebody a 10-year, $375 million contract, that Brady had the leverage in the negotiations. So he pretty much probably got what he wanted. You think if Brady wants to play two more years, I don't think Fox will necessarily be fine with it, but they'll be fine with it. They wanted him that bad. They'll be fine with it, but this, it's interesting they want they want him that bad. They, they want the name, but we don't even know if he's going to be a good broadcaster. I agree, and Joe, that, Joe Montana is the yeah. example of the guy who was a great quarterback and not very good as a broadcaster. Have you heard Tom Brady's appearances when he does pops on like radio for primetime games? Well, he, well, he has a contract with uh, Jim Gray. Right. What do you think of him? Honestly, I think it's I, I think those are terrible. They're, he's very calculated but let me ask and you, says nothing of value. But let me ask you, did you listen to him do stuff with Jim Gray as a member of the Buccaneers? Because it's very different than doing it with the Patriots. He gave nothing in interviews when he was with the Patriots. He certainly has found his voice and shows that he has a pretty good personality now that Bruce I, Arians is his head coach. I will admit that I haven't because I heard it so many times. I'm like, okay. Right. If when that segment start started, that was a cue that that's been a cue for me to change the channel. I'll tell you why I think that Tom Brady will probably be very good, and using the Patriots and the Buccaneers as an example. Would Tom Brady have ever been totally drunk on a boat throwing the Super Bowl to another boat if Bill Belichick was his head coach? Hell no. Well, definitely not in Boston because nobody's getting on a boat and doing a boat parade in Boston. In I but do you think he would have done that as a member of the Patriots? No. No. He is let loose. Uh, when you saw him do that thing with Peyton Manning that Manning does on ESPN plus whatever, uh, the, the stuff with different players, uh, Brady is has a very dry sense of humor. He is very funny. He is very cutting, not necessarily the level of a Peyton Manning, but he's got a terrific sense of humor. Uh, he did a, what was it? I, I don't know if it was a 30 for 30. He did it with Charles Woodson on the fumble. And did you get a chance to watch that? No. It was fantastic. Brady was digging, digging, digging on Charles Woodson. And it was hilarious. I thought it was really good. I think he's got a terrific personality. And if he studies that hard as a football player, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't study that hard as a broadcaster. He knows that, at least I believe, I don't know if he knows it, I know it, or I believe it. Tony Romo is the best out there. He is the best out there. And I'm guessing with Brady's competitiveness, he's doing this because he wants to be seen as the best. I think the interesting thing is that when it comes to the broadcaster, like the, the color analysts, sometimes they can be pretty good at what they did, coaching, playing, but they're rarely the best, right? Like like John Madden was a very good coach. It was his personality right, that made him. Right, but you know, Bill Walsh was more successful than John Madden, but Bill Walsh was terrible when he went to the booth. Right. Uh, Tony Romo, I mean, he was a... Second, not yeah, a lot of personality, right? Second tier, but he, but in terms of quarterbacking, he was kind of in that second tier. Very good, not great, but he's been a tremendous. Uh, he's been a tremendous broadcaster. And then you kind of look uh, look around the sports, and uh, 
you see that a lot of the the best analysts they're okay players or you know at, at a certain level but maybe not the stars I mean Kirk Herbstreit is a tremendous broadcaster right he's fantastic he is terrific you could argue that maybe he is the best in the business right now Kirk well, Herbstreit might not have gotten the opportunity that he had that he that he has built for himself because there is this tendency to look for the big shiny object, the famous ex player, and give them the bag. Whereas Herb Street was, you know, kind of a he was an okay quarterback on the college level, never played a down of pro football. Look at Joe Clatt. Worked his way up from local radio in Columbus all the way. Or Joel Clatt's another example of that. And I feel like honest and maybe it's the fact that we, you know, we're both in the sports media business. I kind of feel like he's getting rewarded than there are maybe others who are more deserving of this and would actually be better in that role. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? A whole lot of series in the NBA and NHL playoffs tied at two games apiece. So nice for the Avs to get some time to rest, get Darcy Kemper healthy again, and everybody else feeling 100%. We'll preview tonight's matchups across the association and NHL Stanley Cup postseason hockey uh, next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, big news in the NBA playoffs as Shams Charania is reporting that Grizzlies have uh, said John Morant has a bone bruise in his knee and is doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. Uh, the Warriors came back to get a big win last night, take a 3-1 series lead. That's going to be huge for the number two seed in the NBA in the Western Conference. They had a lot of success without John in the regular season, but might not be the same here in the playoffs. The game's tonight in the NBA playoffs. Sixers at Heat, 5.30 on TNT, and the Mavs at the Suns, 8 o'clock on TNT. Both those series tied at two. Who gets a one-game advantage after tonight? I'll go with the home teams. I like Miami. I've liked them throughout. And um, I'm not going to pick against Phoenix. So I'll go with the home teams. I'll go with the home teams as well. Pretty simple. 
Just in case you missed it, a lot of series in the NHL. Playoffs tied at two as well. Canes hosting the Bruins, 5 o'clock on ESPN. Lightning at Leafs, 5.30 on ESPN2. Blues Wild in Minnesota, 7.30 on ESPN. And the Kings, Oilers in Edmonton, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Besides the Avalanche being the only team to complete a sweep, what has stood out to you about this year's Stanley Cup playoffs? I mean, I think uh, the, the evenness of the uh, of the series now they've come it's come about in certain in different ways. You have, uh, for example, you know some series where you know you have a bunch of tight games, and then you have uh, Tampa Bay Toronto where it's five nothing one way and it's seven three uh, the the other way. It's going it's going back and forth with one opponent kind of walloping the other, and then they end up in the same spot, which is uh, which is even. But I think it. Sort of the thing that kind of jumps out is just how how tightly bunched everybody else uh, seems to be, and even 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 with having to go with Connor Ingram and Net, I think if uh, if the Predators had been any of these other series, I think it would have been a tight series for them as well. I think what this shows is how far the Avalanche is ahead of the field, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You didn't know what I was going to say. Yeah. But, but it's true, and I think you bring up a really good point, that it was so incredibly lopsided, and I know it's a one against an eight, but you have twos against sevens. In the Eastern Conference, you have one a one against an eight. The one against, How, How's Florida doing? The President's Trophy winner, the Florida Panthers, is is locked in a 2-2 struggle with the Caps right. and, had to, and, and had to win somewhat controversially in Game 4 to get back to 2-2. Right. They're just... And that's one versus eight. Every everybody is everybody is bunched together, and it's just a question of, are, you know, can the Av, will the Avs remain that far ahead, or will somebody, perhaps the Wild in round two, bring them back to the pack a little bit? That's because Nashville couldn't do it. Just in case you missed it, uh, according to British Vogue. Dirty Dancing is getting a sequel. Uh, Jennifer Grey will be back in her role as Baby. It'll obviously be a little bit down the road. Not sure what the storyline will be. With this sequel coming out, what are some of your favorite movies that you always wish had a sequel? Star Wars. Well, you're getting those in spades these days. I mean, you've got Star Trek. You've got sequels and Rocky. Well, the thing is, with Star Trek, you or Star Wars, you got sequels and you've got prequels and you've got you've got standalones and you've got things, uh, things all over the place. You know, I got one. Uh, I, well, here's mine. Yeah. This is gonna date me. Um, the the Mel Brooks parody Spaceballs. Spa- you, you, you think you think that should have a sequel? Well, they tagged it in the movie Spaceballs Two: The Search for More Money. Right. Well, that 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 could. I'm probably still work. waiting on Spaceballs to the search. For more I'll money. tell you what I would. Thirty-five like, years later, I tell you what I would like to see a sequel on. But the third one of the trilogy wasn't very good, and I'm worried it wouldn't be that good. A fourth one would be The Godfather. Yeah. But I don't know if the fourth one would be any good because the third one really wasn't. I would like to see a sequel to something about Mary. Brett Favre. I don't know. If, well, Brett's now available to uh, to do that full time. He's got he's got some things going on. He does not things that aren't necessarily good. Right. Um. Ha. Ah, third. I'm looking at a page that says 30, 30 movies that deserve a sequel. No. What's number one and two? Um. Well, it says like it counts down. Said number 
I guess it. So I guess thirty is the one that they say most needs a sequel because number one is honorable mention. Um, they they say uh, District Nine. I've never seen that. I don't know anything about it. Do you know, Danny? I think it's like an alien, alien uh, colonization type movie. I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen it, but I've only seen it one time, and it was a while ago. So that I, that one wouldn't get a vote from me. I've been out of it on a lot of movies for a long time. I, I'm not really the one to ask. I'm I'm about dec- I'm decades behind. I'm never. I like up. the uh, suggestion of Spaceballs, though. That was always one of my favorites. Yeah. Spaceballs the movie, Spaceballs the lunchbox Spaceballs the breakfast cereal Spaceballs the flamethrower <laughs> Alright, uh, that was Mountain High Appliance Just in case you missed it You know, a, a lot of places out there have great appliances They do, but honestly no, no one has the same amount of quality As Mountain High Appliance But it's their sales staff that really sets them apart You want to work with a company Where the sales staff has been there for decades and they can really help you get what you want. They ask the right questions. They get you what you need. Because let's face it, it's not an easy purchase. Uh, every All these appliances are different. And every appliance is different for every consumer. Work with a company that specializes in this. Not the big box stores. A company that specializes in this. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break. When the Broncos went up for sale, I think I said on the air to you, I think they'll go at about 4.5. Well, according to the latest reports, I was wrong. What is it at now? That's next.